0: I'm delighted to be joined today by Ravan uh, Jasuthasan author of Reinventing Jobs, who's MD at Willis Towers Watson, and a recognised global expert on skills. Ravan, the agenda has changed completely for organisations with COVID-19 and has really come very, very quickly and very unexpected. We'll discuss some of the downsides of that in a minute, but first and foremost, have you observed any really good best practice in terms of responding to the situations that you think other organizations might be able to learn from? Yeah, Frank, firstly, thanks for having me on. Yes, yeah, there are a number of things that we've observed that have been really quite impressive, I suppose. Necessity is the mother of invention, isn't it? You know, and some of the things that have been quite impressive, being much more thoughtful about how they tap into
1: a broader ecosystem to either support others, they get screened for those new jobs, they get their skills assessed, and then they figure out a shift and how to actually get involved in new work. Versus now, instead of that, you know, consume much of business connection, you've got this business-to-business connection where you've got employees with like skills being moved en masse hmm. from one organization to another. I think that's just one example of that innovation. The other that's been really heartening, Frank, is you know, having done this for quite a few years now, I think back to the last three recessions, and every time the vast majority of organizations, the first thing that they did was to reduce headcount, you know, by a reduction in force. And it's incredibly heartening to see this time around, arguably in our most severe recession, certainly in living history, the response has been, let's do what we can to protect our people, particularly our most vulnerable employees, and let's look for other ways of getting reducing the cost burden
0: given give me a lift in, in just looking at the business landscape Sure and as you say skills transfer is a very innovative perhaps way of looking at uh, what's happened in, in these situations you've talked about how organisations have maybe shared their employees but also within organisations there's kind of a, a, a redistribution of, uh, of tasks and you've written uh, sort of extensively about this about how organisations have seen it as an opportunity to send people to the front line uh, so to speak, of mm-hmm. their own organizations, where, where the most pressing needs are.
1: Yes, yeah, in, indeed. And that, to me, is another really positive uh, point about this agility or flexibility that we're seeing. And we wrote about this in Reinventing Jobs and a Harvard Business Review article that we uh, just had published uh, last week on how the pandemic is redefining jobs much more creative and agile. So in much the same way of sharing talent across the organizational boundary, asking the question of how can we be more nimbler? How can we be quicker? And tap the people who know how to get things done in the organization today. They may not have the technical skills, but those are things we can teach quite quickly. But let's be really agile in redeploying people to where they're needed the most. And I think, I'm really glad you brought this up because I do think, that this is a discipline and it's a mindset and it's a new leadership muscle that is going to stick with us as we come out of this pandemic because organizations are gonna say, well, my traditional model of having work being bound up in dedicated jobs, which sit within dedicated functions and only having people who know finance, do finance, or who know HR, do HR, to now saying, where do you got transfer skills that I can redeploy and tap into on a much more agile, you know, nimble basis, which by definition makes the organisation a lot more agile
0: itself. Sure. And do you think within that, uh, Ravan, that there might be an opportunity to address this disengagement problem that we hear so much about, we know all about the surveys and the McKinsey surveys, et for showing us how huge proportions of the workforce are actually really, really uh, disengaged, and some of them in, in, in a very active disengagement way as well, which is the, the most frightening thing. But is there an opportunity, do you think, here for addressing this by, in some ways, taking the more drudge kind of uh, employment away from people and putting them into more meaningful roles where they can actually see that they're making a, a huge contribution to the organisation?
1: because we're actually seeing an uptick in, in engagement in spite of everything else that's going on. And I would attribute it to, to, to a number of things. One is certainly to the point you made, as you know, we see a lot more automation coming into the work workforce and we're seeing work get deconstructed and redistributed. an uptick because employees see the sacrifices that are being made, whether it's leaders taking a 100% pay cut, as we've seen in some industries, and sort of uh, having a sense of shared sacrifice with employees, eliminating other expenses before they eliminate things that matter
0: to employees. So I think we're seeing a number of things that are setting the stage for a bit of an uptick in um, in engagement. And yet in some industries, rather the game has changed totally. It's unlikely to be a kind of a short-term problem. I'm thinking especially of areas such as hospitality and travel where you're looking at sort of an existential threat perhaps to a lot of companies. How do organisations that are in that position start to begin to kind of reimagine their own business models? Yeah,
1: you know, that's, that's a great question, Frank. It's, it is interesting to see, you know, you've got automakers around the world manufacturing ventilators and face masks you've got food producers who perhaps or I do think it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of reinvent themselves. I do think that agility and innovation that some are demonstrating across various industries is probably going to one be, well, forgive me, two things I think are going to happen. One is I think some of the businesses will be fundamentally right sized to be significantly smaller than they've been before to deal with the the new reality. I think others to your point about innovation will ask the question of how do we redefine our business models how do we what are the
0: From the employees' perspective, I mean, I was talking to another organisation in in Ireland today, which is dealing with a big crisis in one part of of Ireland, in the in kind of uh, based around the Limerick Shannon region, where there's an awful lot of people employed in the in the hospitality and and uh, the retail area. And one of the things they're looking at, which I thought was very interesting, is seeing what the transferable skills are for people who are employed in hospitality and retail and who in all likelihood, won't be able to continue in those roles. But seeing, for example, the skills that they might have in areas such as customer experience and customer service and how they could be perhaps reimagined in industries where there is more obvious kind of skills gaps, um, particularly, say, in in the ICT-type industries, is that something that you're seeing as well on a global basis? Yeah,
1: definitely. So just to pick up on that example of the hospitality sector, the one very obvious connection we're seeing is between hospitality and healthcare. And so taking talent from that sector who who have those skills of caring, if you will, but maybe not the technical
0: so it's a, it's a case that the soft skills are there and it's kind of interesting i've talked to various people who've sort of said that sometimes you know people put the emphasis on the hard skills the hard technical uh, side of things but often within organizations these are things that can be taught you know relatively quickly it's the customer experience type softer what we would so call so-called softer skills that are sometimes the more difficult ones to acquire so there could be Lots of opportunities there for, for successful transferring, I guess. Yes,
1: indeed.
0: Global business leaders such as yourself have been talking for many years about the massive skills shortage in some areas. And particularly you've identified, I think, ICT. And We see these statistics that there are millions of unfilled ICT positions in Europe. Does this uh, crisis, you think, present an opportunity maybe for a reset where we could actually address these skill sets?
1: on looking at the skills gap and particularly with the World Economic Forum where we wrote a paper on skills at the currency of the labor market. And I, I think what's going to be incumbent on organizations is to figure out how do we, you know, in a highly volatile environment like what we have today, there, there is no promise of certainty, right, for your workforce. But the, the promise you absolutely have to make is one of relevance. And and that's one where, you know, I can't promise you a job, but I can ensure that you'll be relevant in the face of a changing world. And I think it's where I was really impressed by what Shell is doing. You know, their business is obviously being faced with a significant downturn. They've reduced expenses. They've reduced their
0: yet you've noted in the past that uh, not all organizations are committed to continuously reskilling so you're you writing there about the, the practice of a lot of them being uh, episodic with one survey suggesting that only 18 percent of chief people officers say that their organizations are truly committed to long and deep skilling is this a problem and do you think that in the current environment it's going to be a major shake-up in the, in the notion of training for life
1: I think so you know Frank organizations prior to this crisis start to shift their this idea of, of continuous learning from being at, of just learning from being at the fringes of the value proposition to their people to increasingly making it almost the epicenter of the whole deal or of the whole employee experience and saying you know i've got one client whose value proposition is we will develop you for opportunity either within or without which is an incredibly bold thing to say also very transparent and it gives employees a clear sense of, you know, what I can expect from you. I don't expect a work job for life, but I can expect to stay relevant in a changing world and be treated fairly and be paid competitively.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You've also talked about moving people to what you call a skills-based talent architecture. Could you explain what you mean by that?
1: Yeah, so if you think of the way work is organized today, you've got this one-for-one relationship between a degree matched to a person and that person matched to a position within the company. That, those one-to-one relationships have got incredibly high frictional cost and time associated with them, the time to acquire a degree, the time to acquire the skills that are relevant for a position, and it's also the most unagile, if that is in fact a word, way of organizing work. What we're seeing is a shift from that to this idea of many different skills or, or learning opportunities, micro learning, a variety of different ways to acquire new skills. So competency-based training matched to so many different learning options match to skills and skills being matched to work in a variety of forms. So you're seeing the rise of within companies internal talent marketplaces where I get to match your skills, Frank, to not just another job elsewhere, but a gig within the company, an assignment, a project. And it allows me as an organization to very quickly and seamlessly redeploy work to the talent that has the right skills so it can be done immediately and quickly without the frictional cost of saying, well, actually, you know what, Frank, you've got these skills, which we don't need in Ireland, but we desperately need them in Germany. So I'm going to move you to Germany to take on this particular job or this position, so you get your skills or your qualifications can be deployed there. More and more organizations are saying we need to be much more agile than that. How do we seamlessly, you know, turn more and more work into projects and assignments and gigs as opposed to being bound up in jobs and find a way of having more people have greater access to the different types of work within the organization. I think that going to be one of the most significant changes that companies see as they look to build more resilience coming out of the pandemic.
0: Ravan, thank you very, very much for your time. It's been a fascinating conversation and a very, very positive one in this time of of gloom. So uh, thank you very much for, for your input.